and welcome back to the Dicebreaker Podcast. This is episode 34. Uh, if you want more, it's 34. Hello. No! We're here. That's wrong. <laughs> 34, ask for more. It's, Leave it's the bingo adaption. calls to me, Matt. Yeah, Leave I'm not bingo. a professional bingo caller, Lolis. I don't have to really? abide by the, the bingo Matt committee Charles, law. This is not a professional bingo caller. That <laughs> surprises me. Uh, I bet you'd be very popular with the old ladies, Matt. No! <laughs> uh, wow. I, did, I, I played nice rock and roll bingo. That's, that's how hardcore I am. I only ever play rock and roll bingo, uh, which I once played in a, in a bingo hall in Brist, uh, not Bristol, York, um, while dressed as Gary Oldman. Uh, <laughs> and we won some cans of Duff. Like Duff. The beer from Matt, The Simpsons. What is your life? <laughs> yeah, Matt, I'm considering like fact checking your entire existence. <laughs> uh, I believe there are pictures. There are pictures of this. I will, I will send them to you after this, but that is not what we're here to discuss on this podcast, the Dicebreaker podcast. Uh, right now. That I is, haven't it, even it introduced the team when we're off. Yeah, at this point, we're getting so quick at going off the rails that at some point we'll just come in mid-sentence as someone's just throwing <laughs> some kind of... The rails weren't even laid down. We yeah. While we're looking for a... Well, we're going, we don't need rails. <laughs> uh, I am Matt Jarvis. I'm the editor-in-chief of Dicebreaker. I'm joined once more by three of the team. If you couldn't tell, they were here already. Uh, this week, we're joined by Alex Lowlies. Hello, Lowlies. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm good. My mind has been blown literally five minutes before this podcast, and I can't wait to tell you why. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's what you call a setup, folks. Uh, all right. We will we'll leave that hanging, I guess, and come back to that in a second. And, of course, uh, Alex Meehan, also here. Hello, Meehan. How are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> such Hi. A, sorry, that was such an underhanded introduction. Yeah. Uh, I guess she's also here. I'm always here. I'm, I'm here in his Slack messages. Ghost haunting I'm the here. walls. I'm here in the, in the podcast. Uh, yeah, I've not done rock and roll bingo. I'm intrigued about what it could be. Um, it's, yeah. It's it's they play songs and you cross off the songs. That's that's oh. that's what's rock and roll about. It. That is oh. better than numbers, to be fair. I'm really bad at recognizing songs though, mm. unless they do like the the really obvious bit of the song, maybe. Yeah, I mean it's it's obvious songs, you know. It's okay. like it's I guess they, they just tell right? you as well. Hello, I'm Wheels from the video team. <laughs> <laughs> Wheels also here. Wheels, what's your stance on bingo? <laughs> um, my favourite bingo I've ever been to is Disney Drag Bingo, which <gasps> is about as good as it gets here in Brighton. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, this pandemic on, so I haven't gone in a very long time. But it's very good. That's yeah, that very strong. I think anything in drag is usually good fun, right? Yeah, exactly. I've been to drag brunch, which is just brunch with a drag queen running around. It's great. Running go. around. Yeah. <laughs> Run around. <laughs> just doing track. Spling in some Hollandaise. <laughs> 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 Uh, yeah, I d- bingo's become like this recurring thing on this podcast. People mm. tuning in each week are probably like, "Wow, they really do talk about bingo a lot." There's not it's really like they should have a podcast bingo card. <laughs> <gasps> How meta! Uh... <laughs> well, we there's, should... there's a bingo hall like right around where I live now, but I moved here during the first lockdown, and I'm waiting for normal life to resume so I can go to the bingo hall. Yeah, every well, everyone's like going to see their family and like going to parties. Lonely's like first thing I'm doing, I straight to, to the to bingo. bingo hall. Yeah, I mean, I have in, to. In fairness, bingo absolutely would work over video call. There's no reason you need to be next to anybody, right? 
Ah, uh, but you don't get the, the thrill of the life. Mm. Of also, yeah, of course, I want to yeah, be yeah. that person in the room who every now and again just shouts bingo and then is wrong and then everyone like rumbles and is like really angry at you. Like that, you don't get that over video. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> in my head, when you said that, all I could think of was like the Alan Partridge football uh, bit, but applied to bingo. It's like bingo. <laughs> He's got a pen like a traction engine. <laughs> uh, all right, let's let's steer this steer this podcast back on course. We're here, of course, to chat about this week's dose of board game news and tabletop RPG goings on. Uh, but first of all, as with every week, the way you said that was like on a police radio, like there are goings on happening out there. <laughs> quite sinister uh well that i guess that's just my natural i don't know my natural aura i guess it wasn't deliberate so just a sinister aura. Like sinister a, jarvis that's what they like call a it. silent hill monster <laughs> just approaching slowly chatting about the latest kickstarter right there lowly i've got something in my eye and it's killing me <laughs> oh gosh well do you want us to pause or no, keep going. I can talk with one eye. <laughs> I'll, I'll break through it. <laughs> <laughs> what a hero. All right. Uh, what have... Let, Wills, let's go with you. <laughs> oh, great. What, what have I've you played been nothing this week. This week. <laughs> okay, wonderful. Great. Uh, right, that's <laughs> job, that was Wills. Yeah. <laughs> wow. It's chaotic. Yeah, I've we are just gonna. Re- no, you did. You played something with uh, Johnny yesterday. Excuse me, you wheels. Yeah, we played Thousand Year Old Vampire, which we talked about last week on the podcast. Oh. <laughs> okay. Well, Wrong vampire played, game. Uh, yeah, you played Fury of Dracula, right? We which, also played Fury of Dracula, which we talked about, about last week on the podcast. <laughs> We're just um. going to talk four wheels from now on. We're just. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> I've been meaning to become like that's my ideal career move and triloquist dummy, you know. Just <laughs> split into four people, which yeah. each taking up an aspect of your personality. Well There's then an RPG you... for that. Mm. There is uh yeah. Bluebeard's Bride, yeah. Um, oh I was thinking of um oh, what's it called? We are all Dave or We Are All Steve or something like that. It's uh, like you yeah. play you play this like very unfortunate person called like with a generic name who's just trying to live their life. Uh, and you will play all of the horrible parts of his brain who are trying to take over him. That so sounds like, brilliant. Yeah, so like, like one one person plays like I don't know uh, the irrational um, fear of of like other people, or one plays one person wants you to go into space, so it's constantly trying to find some kind of astronaut training program or whatever, <laughs> and it's just like tearing this one person into four hundred different directions and seeing how terrible his life becomes. It's very it, funny. You're tearing it, me apart. <laughs> Is it everyone is John? Everyone is John. That sounds about right. Is it a bit like that Eddie Murphy film, Meet Dave? Yeah, are you sure, like loads <laughs> of little... Inside Out? It's like Inside Out. <laughs> yeah, for, that was my thought. Yeah. For a recommendation for a film that people should actually watch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Wow. All right. Okay. Right, well, look, I talked about yeah. the game. I did it. <laughs> Great. We did the. We did tick that box. We've talked about the games. Right. What's next? Yeah. Uh, I tell you what's next. It's Lolies. Lolies. What have you been playing this week? Are you ready to have your mind blown? Everyone? Oh yeah, yeah. 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 Sorry, I don't really forget. I'll steal myself. Hang on. 
The only thing I've been playing is Love Letter. That's not the mind-blowing thing. Love Letter is what I've been playing. <laughs> you sure? What? Yeah. <laughs> playing a lot of Love Letter. Premium edition, I should say. Because there is, oh like, my. regular, and then there's premium, which plays, like, five to eight players. Um, and I, I, I prefer... Didn't, I didn't play the peasant edition. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer the premium edition. Uh, just because it, like, adds more things to the game, and I am quite good at the game, and I think the edition is good. Anyway... Um, I've just learned, because I was just reading the, the rule book for the first time in like six years, that uh, Love Letter is set, the events of Love Letter is set between two other games, which are called Courtier and Dominaire. And I was like, what? what? So I just looked them up and there's a game called Courtier, which is set in the time before Love Letter is set. And there's a game called Dominaire, which is set after Love Letter and has like some of the same characters as Love Letter because like Love Letter is quite cute because it's a really small simple game with like 16 cards but when you read the rule book there's like this little story laid out and like Mm. it all kind of like makes sense thematically what like the cards that you play and how they're played and stuff um but yeah apparently there's like a prequel and like an after (laughs) bit as well there's a Love Letter expanded universe (laughs) I know and it's completely and I was like, I need to get these games because I love Love Letter. And I was like, I want to explore this more. But um, I don't think they're in print anymore. I'm finding it really hard to find any copies. I've also never heard of the games before now. Um, Courtier, for example, the one set before, uh, I found a copy on eBay for like £15, but shipping is £22. Oh, God. Because <laughs> so, it's coming from the US. So I don't know if it like never, if those games maybe never came out in the UK or something, because all of the copies I can find are US online. Mm. But yeah, it's just completely that there's like an extended Love Letter universe that's just completely blown my mind. Yeah, I never yeah. realized that. I like to think that all the Love Letter games somehow exist in the same universe. <laughs> You've got like Batman swinging by, and then <laughs> Archer, and then some kind of Lovecraftian Cthulhu. Yeah, thing. yeah. What happens is someone comes up to them and says, uh, you're joining the Love Letter Initiative. And then they join. And then eventually there's going to be an enormous crossover game where, yeah, like Batman's there and the princess is there. Love Letter Endgame. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Love Letter Endgame. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. Well, it does so. You know, Love Letter's got a sort of story, doesn't it? Where, it like, does, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the princess is there and everyone likes her. And she's just living her life. <laughs> she's actually not. She's locked herself into the palace because her mother was arrested for treason. And oh, she's not happy hell. about it. Yeah, yeah. I've, I it's mean, like I literally haven't read this rule book in six years. I knew there was a story, but I hadn't read it in six years. And I'm just reading it. And I'm like, oh my God, this is like really good. <laughs> my mind is blown by the fact that Wills knows what Mills and Boone is. <laughs> <laughs> knows what Mills and Boone is, surely. Oh, no, I only know it because my aunt used to have the books. And I used to be like, what's all this? And my mum would just be like, mm. Basically, <laughs> you your Mil- older. Mills and Boone's are novels for horny old women. That's essentially what they are. Right, cool. <laughs> well, it makes sense in terms of the princess. Is, it's kind of like a, yeah, like a, a romance story. Yeah. Well, they're, yeah, they're, love ex- they're exclusively for people who have only ever had a crush on Colin Firth. That's what those books are for. You'd be surprised how many people that would be, Worlds. Yeah. But no, exclusively Colin Firth. <laughs> okay, like, well. Nobody else is pure enough. <laughs> <laughs> Colin Firth. <laughs> 
Well, well, yeah, as long as that princess doesn't get borrowed by the Baron, I think we're all happy. That Baron is a creepo. I'm not a fan of him. He is a creepo, you're right. Yeah, he's the way he looks. Look about him. Mm. In the digital version, he's like, mm-mm. I, I think we've established in our view, uh, the, the official Dice Record opinion mm. is that the guard is the du jour lover. Yeah, that's oh, yeah, the yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Loves the, the card. The prince is too Odette stuck Odette is her name. BTW. Mm. What, they all have names. Odette is the guard's name. Odette. Odette, yeah, the princess's name is Annette. Oh, there, there you there go. Line. There you go. That's how you know. It's it's meant to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Baron is. What's the Baron's name? I'm gonna have a quick look. I have the rule book right in front of me. How Slimy McSlime. Mm. Baron, Baron Talus is his name. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, so that blew my mind. I'm also gonna be playing. I haven't played this in a while, but I will be playing this weekend some Hearing Things. Do you remember Hearing Things? Came out like no, two no. years ago, I think. Uh, three years ago, maybe. Um, it's it's a it's just a party game by Hasbro. Uh, you get a deck of cards and you get these like noise cancelling headphones. I'm doing bunny ears for anyone who's listening because uh, <laughs> they're not very noise cancelling. Like anytime we've played it, um, we have like my boyfriend's got some noise cancelling headphones, so I've just been using those. And then we play white noise just to make it better as well. Mm. Um, and so one person's wearing these headphones with white noise, and then the other person has to like say one of the sentences on the card to that person. But the person can't oh. hear them, so if they like try and lip read them, mm. but it's quite funny because like the person who's lip reading just comes out with these like ridiculous <laughs> sentences, um, and yeah, like I've had a lot of fun with it, especially like Liam and myself. I feel like we, um, like I feel like hearing things is just our everyday life, <laughs> like you know. <laughs> um, mm. But yeah, that's it's a it's a fun little game, but it's definitely the kind of thing you can just do yourself at home if you've got some noise cancelling headphones yeah um, yeah well that's what I, i'm doing <laughs> i do quite a bit of lip breathing because i have a hearing impairment so i wonder if i actually played this i would get an unfair advantage <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, this is just my this is like every day of my life you n- like... you'd never qualify for the hearing things olympics me and so that's me that's all i've been playing i hope i've blown your mind let's move on all right <laughs> well that's it show's over Go that, like we we've chatted like there have been a number of books announced recently that are like adapting tabletop games and they're all coming out of asmodi and asmodi owns zedman which now has love letter <gasps> so a love letter novel is not outside the realm of possibility i would read that because like the story so far is really good mm. you can and be the person only... to write it lolis yeah lolis <laughs> no. No, i'll write it but I want, although if I was to write it, I probably would end up like a Milton Boone. Or debt. Yeah, imagine that the, the editor. In your so, yeah, imagine the editor being like, "Does this scene have to be there?" And I'm like, "It's very crucial to the story. <laughs> it's incredibly important for the plot." <laughs> I read Barry would get arrested. <laughs> oh, right. me and. You're up. Hello. <laughs> what have you been playing? Oh, I've been playing quite a bit, actually, uh, which is a nice change. Show off. <laughs> <laughs> my head bitten off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at me with all my friends. <laughs> <laughs> We've already established that I struggle to play games because of my friends' lack of interest sometimes. But for some reason this week, we... Um, they rallied the troops. A bit the strong well. harvest. 
Yeah, yeah, they had a strong harvest this week. Thank goodness. Harvest um, friends. <laughs> uh, so, Disclaimer, please do not harvest your friends. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, so I, I played some Root again, uh, the digital version. Uh, I did a lot better this time. Uh, I played the Airy again. Uh, and I actually knew what I was doing. Fancy that. Uh, so I almost won until my friend, the the friend who always wins everything, who was playing the Woodland Alliance for the first time. And throughout the entire game, they were like, oh, I don't really know what I'm doing. I guess I'll do this. And I was just oh, sat there, yeah. yeah, with this look on my face, just like, oh, sure you are. Sure, play the innocent card. And what a surprise. They won the game. And at one point, they did a really brutal move. Uh, one of the Alliance's cards is able to clear multiple clearings of a certain type of everything on there except for the Woodland Alliance pieces. Yeah. They played that, and the other player who was playing with us wasn't doing too great. Cleared out their keep. They were playing as the Marquise de Cat. And... The, the friend who had done it was like, I'm so sorry, I didn't realise it did that. And I was like, oh, sure, <laughs> you didn't. Um, so, but I, I, I had potential to win, but um, they sort of ganged up on me at one point. Uh, <laughs> I had potential, potential to, to win, win. <laughs> like everyone else around any game. <laughs> I mean, more so than usual. A lot of the time I just end up like bobbing around at the bottom, not really doing anything. But in this particular game, I collected quite a few victory points fairly early on. And I think that scared them into action against me. So by the time it got to the point where I could have possibly won, you know, I was I was ganged up again. So that happened. Um, Scythe, we played Scythe, didn't we, Mr. Jarvis? We did. Online. Speaking of bobbing around at the bottom, I <laughs> did very poorly. I lost by about 40 bad. points. No. <laughs> you were only a few points away from me. No, Not that I many. I think you were like 15 points ahead of me. I was really, I was a long way behind. Uh but it's fine. I've I accepted my loss. I, you know. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm I'm very happy for you. Um, <laughs> wow. Uh, no, we we played a four player game of scythe. Uh, I was Poliana. Uh, Matt, you were Saxony, which I, in hindsight, might have not been a great move. Uh, on your part. Well, clearly not. <laughs> well, no, because you didn't want to attack anyone, and that's what Saxony does. Yeah, it had been a while since I'd played Scythe and I'd kind of forgotten the importance of power. Uh, and so at points, it was like everyone else had 11 or 12 power and I had zero. And I was like, ah, I've mm. probably made a mistake here. Yeah, and a Saxony, that's a possibly bigger mistake. But uh, mm. uh, the person who always wins didn't win this time, thank goodness. So may I, I surmise that you being there enabled our other friend to win sure which that's is a, a very good kind thing. reading of that <laughs> <laughs> um i've also been playing parks um which is a a favorite amongst the dice breaker team i think we all relatively like it mm. i've never played it fully but it looks nice mm. it's, it's all right I, I wouldn't say it's like a sort of like a, it doesn't doesn't break any boundaries or anything but like it's a it's a pretty good game you know like it's 
pretty solid. I guess I have emotional attachment to it in the sense that it's one of the first games we played. Yeah, when we it's, first joined it's also Breaker. one of the most beautiful games ever made. Like, it's oh, yeah. absolutely it's gorgeous. It goes mm. a long way on its components, for sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, like, the whole reason it was made is because it, it uses an art series that's based on the national parks of the US. And so the art series existed before the board game was made. And they were like, oh, let's just make this into a board game because it looks so good. The board game itself is good. Like, it's definitely not groundbreaking, no. But I played it with my flatmate for the first time. And I was surprised about how quickly, like, they picked it up. It's a very easy to learn game. And I won, but only by two points. And I'd played it several times before. So we were definitely, you know... On, on an even footing. Um, I've also received the Nightfall expansion, which I want to give a go at some point. So you'll be possibly hearing about that, although I suspect it only adds new cards. But, hey, maybe it completely changes the game. Who knows? Uh, know. Yeah. Unless you read the review, in which case <laughs> you'll know. <laughs> review? <laughs> Oh, whatever. That ain't happening, mate. <laughs> Not from this corner. <laughs> um, Unless you listen to the micro-review that me and does on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, micro-review. Yeah. Uh, and I played Splendor and got completely trashed by my flatmate. Uh, absolutely ruined. Like, I I was barely getting going and they were like, oh, I've won. <laughs> oh, okay. That's yeah. the end of that. <laughs> Splendor definitely has that feel at points. Because it's like, if you, you just don't find your momentum quick enough. Yeah. Once mm. someone's churning the cards that have all the like built-in gems or whatever they call them, um, it's just like they can just buy cards every turn and just zoom zoom away. Yeah, uh, we were playing it in between preparing things for dinner and such, and uh, I sort of popped out to go and check on something. I came back and they were like, "Oh, oh, I've won." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, "Okay, <laughs> that's the end of that." <laughs> Uh, yeah, and that's what I've played this week. Mr. Jarvis, aside from Scythe. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I played Scythe very poorly. Uh, the other thing I <laughs> yeah. played at the weekend... No, I will not have this! You it's, were it's fine. fine. I've come to terms with it. I like, I like Scythe, but it is one of those games where I feel like if you don't play it a lot, you can kind of lose the thread of like how to play each faction and how best to kind of start off and start building that you know, engine. You're, like, you I'm say getting resources that. every turn. I'm getting workers every turn. Matt, you say that like I do that. <laughs> well, me. I literally you did it better just, than me. <laughs> I literally <laughs> just go, oh, I suppose I'll do this. But uh, the, the other thing I played over the weekend, uh, and I can't see Wills because of our setup, but I'm going to assume he'll roll his eyes at this and then laugh. Uh, I played Mayong, uh in Final Fantasy XIV. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> It's the most Matt saying, Jarvis thing in the Mahjong? world. <laughs> uh, so, I've got no problem with Mahjong. I was like, oh, oh, I see. <laughs> yeah, so Final Fantasy XIV uh, is like a multiplayer online game set in the world of Final Fantasy. Uh, so it kind of like World of Warcraft. Weave um, Online, as they call it. <laughs> <laughs> Weave no. Online. Uh, it's got a rich and deep lore. Um, <laughs> That plays it for the plot. <laughs> oh god, that would take three hours. <laughs> I, I finished the main quest line. It took me almost 400 hours. Anyway, I played oh my Mayong. Um, so my friends and I decided to hop in because they have a virtual, I guess, like kind of casino 
area in the game where you can play like little scratch cards and you can play other kind of arcade very games. fantasy themed i'm sure uh, yeah you can you can play triple trad which is one of the card games from the final fantasy universe or you can play mayong and it is just it's mayong mayong um but it is a japanese variant of mayong called Richi mayong um which looking it up as we started playing apparently it's considered one of if not the most complex variants of mayong um, <laughs> great <laughs> i don't re- and i didn't really know how to play mayong like part of the reason we were doing it's like oh i've i've always wanted to learn that here's a good way of doing it because it will automate some of the scoring um and i did enjoy it the kind of the central thing of mayong is really simple um, in that you just you draw a tile and then you put a tile back and you're looking to make sets so you're looking to make sets of three or sets of four or like a run of three um, plus a pair so you want to have all 13 tiles in your hand plus the one that you draw on your last turn form uh, you know have a many correct sets uh, but with Richie Miyong there are things called Yaku and you need to make specific Yaku in order for your hand to be kind of valid uh, and for you to win so, and apparently there are there are lots of different yaku that you can make, uh, and we didn't know them. So we were kind of stumbling our way through, uh, but we played for a couple of hours uh, until about half midnight, um, one in the morning. Um, but I really enjoyed it. It's I think it's one of those things where, like I said, I've always wanted to learn. But Miyong, you need a full a full table of four people, um, which mm. obviously at the moment is very difficult to do. Um, so it was a nice way of doing that. And also having like two cat people and, uh, and someone bedecked in like around. dragon plate armor uh, <laughs> sat around the table doing this. Placing this diddly little tiles. <laughs> it was, yeah, it, I enjoyed it. Um, yeah. I'm kind of interested in in learning more about Miyong. Uh, it feels mm. like a, a deep hole to fall down in terms of actually learning the... You know, like, uh, the Johnny's pretty good at it. Yeah. yeah, I know, I've heard. Yeah, yeah. Probably ask his uh, ask his tutelage sagely <laughs> advice. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. one of those abstract games that, on its surface, is fairly simple in terms of you just you're placing tiles, but like the complexities therein are just immense. Uh, it's like chess, which I want to get into playing again as well because I was talking to my mum the other day and I was like, do you remember I used to be in a chess club? She was like, yeah, I do. <laughs> I was like, where did all those chess sets you had go? She's like, oh, I've got one, including a Simpsons-themed one. <laughs> oh, well, there Classic. we go, then. There it is. Um, but I I watched that Netflix series, The Queen's Gambit, um, which I would recommend. It's very good. And then I was I've just heard, like, yeah. um, mm. and I was just like, I should play chess again. But I think so is everyone else thinking that who's watched it who's like, I want to play chess now, including mm. quite a few um, young girls, apparently, which is is nice to hear. Because um, yeah. chess is sometimes a hobby that's relegated to, to certain types of people, which is a shame. Um, but yeah, maybe I should fish up, uh, fished out. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Look, give me a t- <laughs> Maybe I should fish out <laughs> one of those chess sets. Oh no! Like, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know how to follow that up. I tell you how I follow that up. It's the the only other thing that I've been not playing this week, um, which we wrote a story about for the website, um, and then I went out and bought the box set for it. Is Mouse Ritter? 
Yeah, uh, I was about is, to say, I was excited to hear about this. Yeah, which is a it's a very kind of simple RPG about mice going on kind of a fantasy adventure. It's built on the bones of an OSR uh, RPG, which is basically, for those who don't know what OSR is, it's kind of inspired by early 70s RPGs, like original D&D. Um, but Mouse Ritter is really simple, and it has this really interesting... Uh, inventory system where you have I think the six slots on your character sheet, uh, kind of like head, body, two hands, and then your pack and items are just represented by squares or tiles that take up multiple squares and you fit them into your squares on your character sheet and that's what you can carry, that's basically it um, and the fun thing about it is it's really light, it's you know it's got a really really lovely look to it, um, I believe the designer also does all the illustration uh, it's like very red wall, um, mm. you know. It's got that very kind of rural, rustic vibe to it. Um, Cottagecore. Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> um, and then on the website, you can actually generate characters with the, the click of a button because it's really simple. Um, oh, and- Matt Jarvis, not the click of a mouse. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah. Well, you know, you could be on a phone. <laughs> uh, yeah that's actually very good but I also discovered so I was playing around with the character creator and it throws up some incredible names um, like I can't remember the first names that come up but one of the last names that comes up a few times is like Rat Schlapp, um, which is just very pleasing and it gives you a job title like Trash Collector or Sewer Guide or. Um, but there's also an adventure generator which you can just uh, with the click of a mouse you can generate kind of a fully fledged dungeon and it has all kind of different branching paths and where your group might find treasure so it seems a really simple kind of straightforward RPG but it also has these kind of really interesting like it seems extremely accessible because it's just like here's how your items work you put tiles down you know if you can't think of a character just click this button it will do one for you if you want an adventure off the if you want to play rat slap yeah (laughs) Uh, so yeah i ended up ordering the the box starter set um because it it just looked really nice it was one of those things that instantly just you know when you see something and you're just like that looks lovely Mm -hmm. i really want to take a look at it um but i think there's also a digital version and a rule book by itself but i've just made a character Oh. And, oh yeah. Well, I just did like what you said that you just like roll. You just press a button and it just does all of it. And I got Ambrose Ratchlap oh. or oh, Odette Odette Seedfall. Odette is back. Oh. Uh, Cherry. She's part of the expanded universe. And belongs to Lovelight now. Um, um, yeah, I was saying. I was going to say we were chatting about this in the Slack because that whole um, like, generic. <laughs> The schlack, yeah, <laughs> that or, that auto generator character thing is awesome. Um, yeah. And the other the other system that does it is uh, Murkborg, the Swedish <laughs> doom metal RPG. But instead of it being two really very awesome, different, yeah, very different RPGs. the character creator for Murkborg is called Scumburfer. Um, <laughs> and when it, instead of like clicking, you know, roll another character, the button is just called click to kill this one. <laughs> yeah, it's very it's good. So good. Uh, it's so so good. I got Sassafras Butterball, a street <gasps> tough. Yeah. It's really good. It is incredible. Um so yeah, I'm I'm very excited to check that out. And it seems very light, the kind of thing you could probably run in an hour or so. Mm. Um, so yes. Uh let's move on to news, shall we? Let's do I it. I guess. Alright. <laughs> wow. Enthusiasm. Uh breaking this morning, in fact, uh, which for you listening out there is a couple of days ago. 
Uh, but you know, we can only do so much. Um, it was breaking news when we did the podcast. <laughs> yeah, Mian, tell us about what's going on with the Star Wars miniatures games. Oh, Matt Jarvis, what's going on with them? Oh, I've I had mean, it up I know, to here. I read your story. <laughs> Frankly, I've had it up to here. They've been up to no good. No, that's not true. Um, yeah, the Star Wars miniatures games, um, originally published by Fantasy Flight. The, the company behind like the Arkham Files series and uh, um, Keyforge um, uh, are now going to be made by Atomic Mass Games, um, which is a studio that, that seems to just make Marvel Crisis Protocol. Uh, sorry, I should say that properly. Marvel Crisis Protocol. <laughs> No, you're right. That's better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is exactly what you think it is. It's just a miniatures game with like Marvel characters in it. Uh, um, but now they'll be making uh, games like X-Wing, Legion and Armada, uh, which are all pretty popular, um, particularly X-Wing, as far as I know. Um, I don't play it personally, but I've heard it's good. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, apparently Fancy Flight has planned its own Star Wars games to be released up to the end of 2023 uh, but for now Atomic Mass Games will be producing these Star Wars miniatures games so I suppose keep your eye out on what, what they're up to etc mm. um, yeah, yeah. Like, X-Wing is, is like pretty universally loved I think by mm. Into that sort of thing, so like, yeah. um, I'm not sure if that will be good news or not for people who are fans of it. To be honest, yeah. Well, uh, uh, Atomic Mass Games is still a fairly new studio, is it not, Mr. Jarvis? Uh, I think it's yes, yeah, the last year or two it popped out. I think it's also owned by Smody, so it's all kind mm, of yeah. it's still under the same umbrella. Um, mm. But I've not played Crisis Protocol, and to be honest, I don't know loads of people that have been talking yeah. about it. I don't know if it's just one of those things where it's kind of come out and it'll build slowly. Um, I will I will say that when we did our Infinity Let's Play, we used a lot of the scenery from the core box because it's actually quite nice. The models are pretty pretty good sculpts. Um, but I, yeah, I have no idea how it actually plays. To be honest, I, I'm sure I won't surprise anyone by saying that I was incredibly interested in the premise. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I've not heard anyone talking about it really. I think yeah. people enjoy painting them. I don't know many people that play it. Mm. But yeah, like you say, it might just be a case of the fact that it wasn't as uh, far-reaching. doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad game. Sort of thing. Yeah. Whereas yeah. X-Wing... I guess the interesting thing of X-Wing is that second edition came out relatively recently. Uh, yeah. I think 2018 or 2019. And so is this a sign that they are going all in on miniatures games and Atomic Mass is going to become kind of the focus? Mm. Like they're, they're building a studio just for miniatures games or is this kind of like taking it away away from fancy flight which is kind of the flagship studio yeah and kind considering of considering they they've also dropped their rpg support yeah so i and, wonder if fantasy flight are just sort of cutting a bit of dead weight maybe yeah and i question whether miniatures games they they typically don't do the number i think x-wing is an anomaly in many ways in that it is more popular and better known than most miniatures games outside of mm. warhammer yeah. Um, but they've tried with Rune Wars. They tried with you know yeah. other miniatures games, and they just didn't really take off. <laughs> Sorry, could you hear Holly? Um, <laughs> uh, she, well, what Holly's probably saying is, 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> We've got a report. <laughs> yeah, from our miniatures expert. Cat on the beat. Yeah, cat on the beat. Uh, she's probably saying that it could it could either be a good thing or a bad thing. It could mm. be a sign that Fantasy Flight are just sort of dropping something yet again that isn't producing enough money for them and kind of focusing all their efforts on the things that are. Or it could be a sign that Asmodee are like, okay, well, we've got this miniature studio. We might as well just put all our miniatures stuff under that particular studio. It's mm. relatively new, so it's not like it's been festering there and just like slowly dying out and they're just hoping that if, if they give this over to Atomic Mass and they'll all just die quietly. Um, it's hopefully a sign for people what what are we laughing at <laughs> just your expression of it's it is dying quietly yeah <laughs> but i think it, no, I, it's sad you know it's sad for people in this game that they like mm. and then companies like fancy flight who are notorious for for it like with the star wars destiny just like quietly leading them around the, the shed and sort of going oh, well gosh You've had but your time. Old Yoda. Yeah, old Yoda. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's it's been a particularly tough year for miniatures games as well, mm. because whereas other games can be played online that bit easier, um, we saw Guild Ball cancelled in September, I yeah. think it was. Yeah. And a lot of the the reasoning behind that was, you know, that, that tournament scene is gone. Like, no one, no one can get together. And I think X-Wing is sustained by the tournament scene a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wonder whether this is maybe a sign of it's just it's having trouble. We don't know. Um, no, we should say we... for for clarity, we don't know. We don't no. have uh, inside knowledge of what's going on at Fancy Flight. But yeah, between this and the the RPG stuff is stranger um, because you would think that might be doing a bit better because of RPGs being yeah, that much easier to play over video call. But I think they just weren't particularly interesting. Plus, yeah. there's. there's... To be honest, with uh, Fancy Flight, I think they push a lot of their own sort of like peripherals for their games. Yeah. So like so many of their RPGs, you had to have this weird collection of dice that only they make for a mm. premium, which means that, yeah, if you were playing online, you probably couldn't because you'd have so many weird things you'd have to always have around with every player and stuff. So yeah. that might be part of the reason. And mm. where they've tried to push their universes, like the Rune Wars stuff just didn't. Yeah, it was never it very interesting. Fun. Like the, the yeah. Rune Wars miniatures game was like, functionally fine it was you know interesting it took some of the ideas from x-wing but the lore of it was just like here are some skeletons here's a worm mm-hmm. yeah. here's a worm basically it's like here's some skeletons here's a worm here's some other kind of generic fantasy things yeah um, it just never it was never interesting enough to get invested in in the way that you need to for a miniatures game yeah um, it's funny how you have you know fantasy flight produce universes obviously it's not original but they produce universes like uh, the arkham files horror universe which obviously is based on a very horrible person's work <laughs> but they've developed it in a way to make it like really really engaging and really great because uh, like man i were talking about arkham horror files the other day and be like you know one of the big draws of it is the narrative and is the universe itself but then you've got something like Rune... What is it? Quest? Rune Wars. Rune Wars. Look, <laughs> even the name Rune is so... Rune, yeah. <laughs> even the name Rune is so Hammer. forgettable that I, I don't... Anyway, yeah, there you go. Mm. Uh, all right, let's shift on to the next one. Uh, 
speaking of uh let's say universes with problematic uh, elements um <laughs> the world of darkness rpgs are changing hands um well there's some interesting developments so world of darkness uh for those who don't know is the universe that kind of encompasses vampire the masquerade werewolf the apocalypse mage ascension yes uh, other things ascension. like that where it's here is a generic name of a monster plus some kind plus. of moody sounding phrase um <laughs> But it's it's been kicking around for about thirty years or so. I think most people know Vampire: The Masquerade uh, as kind of the flagship uh, game from it. So Paradox, which owns White Wolf, which was the original publisher of World of Darkness, um, a couple of years ago, Paradox, which is a video game company largely, um, kind of took Vampire, uh, took basically full control of Vampire because there were some controversies around content in it. Um, like problematic uh, depiction of LGBTQ plus um, and kind of co-opting of real life uh, atrocities um, in Chechnya, uh, as well as other issues uh, from past years, uh, including the suggestion of kind of ties to white supremacist, um, like uh, philosophy and ideology and so on. Um, uh, allegedly, we should say. Um, so they they took control a couple of years ago um, and now they are bringing uh, World of Darkness under Paradox. Uh, they bring all the development of the story of World of Darkness into uh, Paradox. So they will develop the core narrative and the core world uh, in-house. And Renegade Game Studios, which is the board game and RPG publisher known for things like Clank and Icarus, uh, Overlight, uh, they do quite a lot. Uh it will now be the publisher for the World of Darkness RPGs. Mm. So Paradox is developing everything in-house and then Renegade is handling the publishing. Um, and they've kind of said that uh, Paradox is going to create what they call foundational media. So it's going to set out the world, it's going to set out the kind of tone and stories. Um, and then it will still continue to allow kind of external studios to work on video games or comics or books or yeah. other games. Um, but it seems like they're going to maintain much more control and kind of consistency. Um, and one of the things coming out of this, uh, which is why I mentioned the problematic elements, is that they have said that they are now going to work with sensitivity consultants um, on every future release for the World of Darkness. Mm. Um, starting with a particular book uh, that I now can't find, the Sabbath Sect book. Um, so yes, it's going to work with diversity consultants and diversity readers as part of the sensitivity process. Um, so hopefully there'll be no more kind of problematic elements mm. going forward because vampire, vampire has always kind of maintained this air of towing the line and at points completely overstepping it uh, when it comes to um, kind of content. Mm. Interpreting edginess as just being yeah. defensive basically mm. yeah um so yeah there, there have definitely been issues in the past which is is a shame because the you know people who've played vampire the masquerade mm. or people who've played bloodlines the video game that the core concept is a is a fun one it's vampires they're kind of stalking around you know there's competing clans they all have different kind of focuses mm. um so yeah hopefully this this only is a good thing going forward um i think there's kind of been various different people going what does this mean uh and the truth is we just don't know right now mm. um but hopefully it means that they are taking the right steps to improve some of those issues um going forward and as part of this 
Uh, they've also announced a supplement that will be out next month. That's December. Uh, called, I think it's just called Vampire the Masquerade Companion. Uh, but it's adding quite a few of the things that people have called for for a while uh, in the 5th edition. So rules to play as mortals, rules to play as ghouls. Mm. Um, some clans, I think, from previous editions. Um, they call them new clans, but I believe they've existed in the vampire universe before. Uh, and some other bits and bobs, new abilities, that kind of thing. But that will just be out for free next month. Mm. I have a few comments on this. Firstly, Matt Jarvis, what the hell is this? <laughs> what the hell is this image? In this new story, <laughs> that obviously the the listeners and the viewers can't see it, but uh, it's this this creature that looks like it's got a mouth in its mouth, and it's got like googly eyes, and it's genuinely quite. Squ- I imagine it sounds quite squelchy when it moves. It's got one big titty as well. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't uh, going to say that bit. I'm glad Will said it for That me. was the artwork provided by the publisher for uh, the announcement of the new supplement. Is, <laughs> is this the art style? I really hope not. Because it, it looks like a low-res video game model, yeah. to be honest with you. And also it's combined with art style of just, like, photographs of people, which I'm not a fan of. Yeah, that tends to be the vampire thing, though. There's a lot of that kind of, here are just it- people cosplaying. Yeah, it's a modern day setting, isn't it? So I think they just sort of use yeah, yeah, no models. <laughs> uh, my my issue here is that it seems to be combining art styles. I hope not. Maybe this is just a weird picture that they sent, but um, I think that that would look potentially a bit messy. They just kept to the the, the photographs, and that's fine. I think it fits its yeah. grungy kind of nineties feel yeah. to it. Yeah, but if it I starts, think... sorry. I've never seen a World of Darkness RPG that looks good. <laughs> yeah. Um, Unfortunately. Yeah, I, I did a story on um, Urban Shadows, which is basically like World of Darkness. Um, mm. and But it's by Magpie Games. And um, they and that has a very nice art style that I'm like, well, maybe I'd rather just do this instead. Um also, like, yeah, like, Vampire and World of Darkness in general has had a history of, like, icky stuff, including, like, one of the main clans having, like, uh, having, like, mental health issues be part of their identity, yeah. um, which is not great in the way that they've depicted it in the past um, as being, like, a superpower of some sort. Mm. Um, you know, I'm like, hey, you can maybe approach mental health um, in your RPG. That would be interesting, but maybe do it in a way that doesn't like look real bad. Um, and it's a shame because there's loads of aspects of vampire that I like, um, particularly how like campy it can be in terms of like, yeah, like these are different clans of vampires. They're all mostly unpleasant people who scheme against one another and one of them just looks like Nosferatu <laughs> just scabbing about um yeah so I and I think Renegade have done a really good job with their RPGs like Overlight and Kids on Bikes and things like that so hopefully if things I know Paradox is developing lots of world elements but hopefully if Renegade has a good strong you know grip on on the game and you know the other world of darkness games 
then that's hopefully a good sign of things improving and you know being able to enjoy those fun elements without the unfortunate parts there you go yeah. that's my take for sure uh yeah, it's a good one yeah i guess we'll see like say it's I think uh, from, and this is just speaking kind of anecdotally, from what I understand is like uh, quite a few of those problems kind of arose out of White Wolf um, originally, mm. which is why Paradox assumed control because it was like, hey, that's not cool. Um, maybe a little later than it should have done given some of the stuff that came out. Um, yeah. But, you know, hopefully, like you say, hopefully this is the the right way forward to yeah. kind of... From what um, I've seen, Renegade are a pretty solid publisher as well. So yeah. I think um, yeah. this should be in good hands. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, Alex Meehan. Hello. Quickly on this one, tell us about this new Batman game. Oh, yes. Talking of Edge. Yeah. Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> and talking of... Uh, talking um, of problematic figures. Problematic figures, yeah. <laughs> hey! Um, yeah, uh, Dark Knight Returns... Sorry. Batman The Dark Knight Returns board game is coming. Uh, God, that was a mouthful. Um... Uh, which is based on the comic book series by Frank Miller. Hmm. Less said about them, the better. Um, that was released in the 80s and people seem to love it um, so much that just a billion things are based on it, including that really terrible Batman v Superman film. Um, uh, but now there's a board game based on it. Uh, it's unusual because it's a solo board game. Uh, where you play sort of in you can play each session as like an individual mission or as a full campaign and it's based on the storyline of the comic series where Batman basically becomes an old uh, I don't know Republican and then just like goes around like deciding he wants to beat up criminals again uh, yeah, I, it's, it's yeah. weirdly it's it's kind of an exploration of the fact that Batman's a bit of a fascist yeah um I- but like, yeah, it just turns out that it was written by someone who, <laughs> unfortunately, yeah. shares some of those opinions. Yeah, but, um... it's a bit hard to interpret the the series because on the one hand, yeah, you could see it as a criticism of Batman being a fascist, and everyone else seems to think that Batman is a fascist in mm. the book, and you can either see that as them being like, oh yeah, he's a fascist, or they can see that as Batman being like, oh yeah, you just don't understand, you coward. <laughs> so it's kind of a mixed bag, really, but. Um... Yeah, the game is being developed by Cryptozoic. Cryptozoic! God! (laughs) (laughs) Entertainment. Sometimes my mouth is my enemy. (laughs) Sometimes. Sometimes. Uh, (laughs) It's always for me. (laughs) Who are known for uh, releasing uh, Spyfall, that party game that people very much like as well as the dc comics deck building game um so it kind of makes sense that they're doing a batman game um Mm. there's going to be a kickstarter next year uh early on i think um but aside from that don't know pleasure mounts uh who who knows what it's gonna be like i think while i'm not that interested in it being a batman board game i am interested in it being a single player board game because i do think that market is like empty Mm. Mm. um and i'm i'm intrigued to see how they've how they've done that and to see if anything more kind of will come 
from that maybe i don't know i just feel like there should be more single player games like i used to work at a board game cafe and we'd always get people asking for single player games hmm. um and like there's obviously plenty of games that can be played single player but like they have a a, a solo mode or whatever but they're usually not very good mm, yeah uh, i know there is a list right there is oh, a list. Yeah. There is. Slowly. You might but, say that like... some some games have very good solo modes, and you may find them on the dicebreaker.com website. But, <laughs> but I, I think also... you're right. Or yeah, our yeah, Valentine's solo list on the Dicebreaker YouTube channel. <laughs> exactly. Oh, so much content. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. Yeah. But I think Lodi's, you're right in that. Like sometimes with a game, the solo mode feels just a bit tacked on, where it's like, mm. oh, yeah. you can just score points, or you know, it's. And but also this, like again, you're right in the this having the Batman kind of world attached to it. You would think that maybe they would push for a game that's multiplayer because that's where so many people are focused. But it's kind of interesting to see whether this will be or this is a sign of people really getting into solo games. Mm. Um, I'd be interested to know how long it's been in the works, given the situation we're in. And whether the decision to go solo is almost a reaction to a lot of people being potentially by themselves looking for things mm. to do. Yeah, I'm actually quite surprised that it's taken this long to see a big superhero solo game. So I think it's a pretty good theme for, you know, one player against everything. So mm, yeah. What well, uh, a single player person dreaming of being Batman. I'm sure that's <laughs> I'm sure that's a pretty common thing, yeah. Yeah, Batman is single player though right like i mean as a person <laughs> yeah 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 i'd say like, you mean he's a lone superhero yeah yeah not like that he's, he's got... a solo player board game as a human being yeah 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 <laughs> yeah yeah he's not one of those human beings with other little human beings inside him no <laughs> the numbskulls uh, yeah <laughs> yeah no this one's could... gonna understand that <laughs> uh yeah this will like you say, it's interesting. The the basing it on Dark Knight Returns is an interesting choice, um, mm. but maybe if it because it's single player, maybe there is room to kind of explore that narrative a bit more and have it not feel like it's kind of glorifying some of that stuff. Um, who knows? Yeah. We'll know next year, perhaps. I wouldn't hold my breath. <laughs> yeah, I I suspect it's going to be quite. You know, it's going to Batman goes and punches people. It's not really going yeah. to consider. Batman Batman goes and punches people. Episode of Batman the animated series is one of my favorites. Yeah. Mm. Speaking yeah, of which, if... I think. Oh, sorry, oh, sorry. I was just going to say, if they actually explore any of the themes in the comic book, I would be incredibly surprised. <laughs> mm. Yeah, it feels often like some of the. We based this on a specific skin, comic. Is like it's ju- it's just for name value. It's like yeah. oh, I know name value. Comic. Maybe the art style. That's about it. Yeah, um, but I will say that Cryptozoic did do Batman. Oh gosh, it's like got to got to get him. Got to hold it. It's an episode of the animated series, um, and it's where gotta catch them all. Batman plays poker. Um, Batman plays poker. <laughs> Batman plays poker. I think in disguise with a group. And he of eats villains. a sandwich. Um, <laughs> he plays poker with a group of villains, but he's under, um, like he's undercover. Uh, and the <laughs> as Batman, Cryptozoic did a version of that where you play poker, but like you are all different. You have hidden roles as well. Um, and it was actually really good, but now I can't okay. remember the name of it. So this is a f- I can't. One of my favorite episodes of uh, of Batman is when Bruce Wayne loses his entire fortune to an online poker tournament. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
All right. Sorry, yeah. Matt, we're ruining your... Let's shift it on. All right. Uh, let's quickly look at these animated board games coming out. Oh, yeah. Talk no. About- <laughs> well, sorry, Matt. Lonely said no. I can't do it. Um, yeah, that, talking of animated things, uh, there, there are a series of, of board games based on various animated shows, uh, including Scooby-Doo, uh, Teen Titans Go. It's not uh, Teen Titans. Uh, I don't know. I've heard pretty, pretty good things about that show, to be honest. Um, and Looney Tunes. You know, that one that was in Space Jam. Um, we already knew about the Scooby-Doo game, uh, which is just appropriately titled Scooby-Doo The Board Game, uh, which was announced earlier this year. And you just basically go around as Scooby and the gang and sort things out. Um, yeah, there's someone doing a bad... Uh, and uh, but now there's Teen Titans Go Mayhem, which is based on the new, relatively newish show, I think, uh, where you play as the different characters and they're they're fighting against each other because they want some pizza or or, or the best place on the couch or something like that. Uh, but uh, there's also a Looney Tunes game, which is a Looney Tunes Mayhem, which takes a, the similar sort of competitive idea but makes it Looney Tunes. So there's Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck, you know, all your favourites. Um, <laughs> Those are the two. Yeah, all your favourites. Um, they're all being released as part of a Kickstarter campaign called the Animation Collection. Um, but you will be able to select individual games from <laughs> it. Lonely's just falling asleep. The <laughs> Sorry, Lonely's. I'm nearly done. Um being released by C- come on come on come on that's the best way of pronouncing that name not come yeah on. i'm not doing simon i hate that <laughs> <laughs> you can't not reason. say that in an american accent it's the most american thing i've ever C-mon. heard simon simon <laughs> uh, <laughs> lonely sounded like a an aggressive American housewife. <laughs> <laughs> you know about Simon? <laughs> Matilda's mum. They make some Stella gay. <laughs> They're a speedbolt salesman. <laughs> uh, apologies to uh, our American listeners. <laughs> apologies to America. As I said in a previous The publisher is known for releasing um, various games like Blood Rage. You mean well Simon? As... Yeah, that one. <laughs> as well as the, the Wacky Races game uh, based on that 1960s cartoon. Um, what was it called? <laughs> what was called what wheels? Never mind. <laughs> the publisher, publisher that's C mine. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, right. There you go, Will. Uh, Matt, I can't do there, any more. There's the detail. <laughs> all right. I've reached I've done a quit. I've, okay, to bring it back to a normal podcast, I've seen a lot of these like joint Kickstarters popping up recently. It's a lot of like. Hey, we're a publisher. Uh, we're putting like three games out all in this mm. one Kickstarter. So instead of having like backing tiers, it's just like, which game do you want to buy? Which is mm. kind of weird, but it's right. like a, interesting to see people doing like uh, alternative ways of using the platform. Seeing as Kickstarter is now pretty much 
the main way to release a board game. Yeah. Which is, uh, yeah. Uh, from yeah. Com- Come On of all publishers. <laughs> come on. Who, uh, I, I guess it's... Uh, sorry, go on. I'm just saying who I'd think would have enough money to just release themselves. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's always my problem. Um, but like going back to what Wheels was saying, yeah, that's quite interesting. And I think it's quite clever as well, because if they didn't do it all in one go, they'd have to like stack them and then they'd all have yeah. like different, you know, they have to maybe wait a few months between each or something. I don't know. It just becomes like a bit awkward. Whereas now they could do like, I'd, I'm assuming they're doing some kind of deal where it's like reduced if you buy yeah. three of them. And yeah, it like will that, be bundled. Well, so the reason it kind of excites me is because you can now kind of like tandem release maybe smaller games with big ones. Mm. So like if Simon are releasing their big flashy, <laughs> hey, it's got a million miniatures box, they could also potentially just put out like a, a smaller, more sort of indie, maybe kind of a little bit more risky design alongside yeah. it, which I think mm. is a really nice idea. Mm. Yeah. yeah. We'll see. You do get to a strange point where, because it, they do it because there's no risk rates, they know exactly how, yeah. how many copies they've sold, how many to produce. Yeah. But it's that thing of where a publisher comes back with a campaign for a game and almost their entire library is various different stretch goals. So there are yeah. you know a dozen different backer tiers. It's like, you want this combination of that or do you want that combination or this one's an add-on and that's a stretch goal. And this. <laughs> so it's, it's a lot to keep track of, but I think we'll we're obviously seeing more and more of it and i think particularly coming out the back of this year where publishers just need that safety net essentially yeah and and to be honest like i there's a lot of uh negative press on like big kickstarters that add a million different miniatures that you don't need but also like i don't think i think something that doesn't get said enough is the fact that the fact that um minute like god messed up my words is now me in now, yeah, my oh my god, I'm messing my I'm words up now you. as well, Mian. Good lord, what have you done to me? Um, <laughs> the fact that lots of board game publishers can put out products knowing that they're not going to bankrupt themselves is probably a really positive thing because it means that people can sort of take risks and you know and like not completely put themselves out if yeah. if one of their games doesn't sell. I mean, I wouldn't describe any of these board games for this particular Kickstarter no. risk. <laughs> but yeah. I, we had to extract something fun and interesting out of this. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's also an argument to be made where when they're skipping going through distribution and retail and so on, um, you know, it is ultimately cheaper for the people who buy the games. That's, you know, that's neither here nor there because obviously you want to support small retailers. You should, Mm -hmm. you know, and that that cuts them out of the equation, which I think then becomes like trouble points um, unless they're kind of backing to get in on the Kickstarter themselves. Uh, And obviously, Kickstarter. Uh, has many issues itself um, internally yeah. but yeah there's complex there are, thing. yeah there are arguments for and against i think it's it's safe to say either way that we wouldn't see as many games we wouldn't see as broad a kind of diversity mm. of games if we didn't have kickstarter so yeah absolutely. i think the net the net gain is large um but there are obviously there are factors to consider in everything uh let's the move net on. gain is large but there are some <laughs> naughty little fishes in there <laughs> sure. <That's>... <laughs> <laughs> little fishes. Oh, the, it's a net thing. Yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> all right. Let's move on to emails because we're swiftly running out of time. E-mail! If you've got an email for the Dicebreaker podcast, you can reach us at podcast at dicebreaker.com. You can find us on Twitter at join dicebreaker, or you can just find us at dicebreaker.com or youtube.com slash dicebreaker. Get in touch. Uh, Lodies, would you like to read this one from Roland Wright? <laughs> <laughs> sure 
Hello, everyone. What is your approach to learning slash teaching RPGs to new players? How do you go about communicating new mechanics to players who have inevitably not bothered to read the rulebook? Or alternatively, how do you approach a new RPG yourself? Are there any games which have particular effect, which have particularly effective quick start rules you've played? Love the pod. I'm largely writing because I came up with a new pseudonym, pseudonym after my question from the first episode. Yours faithfully, roll and or write. Hey. <laughs> it, it's just roll and write. Go on, Alice. Um, <laughs> uh, well, this is very... I mean, I know this is RPG specific. I've never learned or taught an RPG. I am very much that player <laughs> who shows up and gets... Like my hand gets held through the RPG, so um, I am your problem, Roland. Right? Um, <laughs> I do it with board games, but that's about it. Yeah, so I'm I'm not much help. I think it's just, it's the same thing, though, isn't it? Like whenever you've got a complex system that you need to teach people, it's like it's the the mastery of being able to like drip feed the information at the at the right yeah. time. Yeah. I guess. I, I mean, yeah, I don't really know if it's any different because I've never done it for RPGs. But yeah, it's, it's what you say. It's strip feeding, isn't it? You kind of give the overview and kind of the most basic information at the beginning and then you kind of drip feed it as you go when it's relevant. Even though people always end up going, well, you didn't tell me that before. And it's like, yeah, yeah for your own good because you wouldn't remember. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's the thing with like, like you say, with board games, with RPGs, is just give give people the gist, give them enough to get the ball rolling. And then just be a bit loose about it. Don't worry if they forget rules. Don't worry if you're kind of like simplifying things at first. Because the main aim is that people have fun. And if you overload them with a load of rules, they're not going to have fun. If you're trying to get them to roll up on like a D100 table, you know, five minutes into the game, (laughs) that's not fun for anybody. I'm um, always like, I explain the rules, the basic rules, and then I go, but I'll run you through as we go, and I will remind yeah. them of the rules as we go as mm. well, because I, I, I would not expect anyone to remember everything I talk. I, like, I see, I, sometimes I can see their eyes glazing over, and I'm like, okay, well, you're not even trying to listen, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's like the... What happens? That's when you get the air horn out, right in the air. There's like a... Some people are like, oh, don't learn as you play, but I think generally... If you've got the gist, it's a lot more fun to play kind of a, like, it might be a bit messy, it might take slightly longer in certain places, or you might have to check things, but it's a lot more fun to actually spend your time together playing something rather than just reading a rule book. Yeah. Yeah. People can read up ahead of time, get a general vibe, but, you know, just get stuck into it. Don't worry too much about it. Like, you're not there to play a a 100% perfect version of the game the first time around. You're there Mm -hmm. to enjoy playing with each other and having fun. Especially with an RPG as well, where yeah. like the the whole point is just to tell a fun story together. So like, if you end up fluffing a rule, it's fine. You can just retroactively, you know, fit it in or, or whatever you need to do to, to make things work. One thing I will say, seeing as we're talking talking about teaching board games as well, um, to anyone who is being taught a board game, at no point in the entirety of history has anyone ever deliberately taught you the rules wrong so that they can beat you in the first game. I th- I can't believe how many times I've been accused of this. I get that all of the time, like all of the time. And it drives me crazy because I'm like, I'm not a cheater. I genuinely either forgot because mm. I've played this game a hundred times and I, you know, like you just sometimes you don't know if you've already said it or like you just didn't think of it because like 
you know, you're trying to like go back to when you first kind of like, yeah. I don't know, the rule book version of the game rather than, you know, after a while it kind of becomes stuff becomes automatic or whatever the case may be. Or maybe you've just learned it new yourself and you're like trying yeah. to teach something you barely know yourself. <laughs> Give us a break, people. <laughs> We're doing it all for you. And also, like, if you beat me in the first game that I've just taught you, that's great for me because it means I've taught you properly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So there you go. That was a little rant I needed to get out. <laughs> all I'll say to this effect is just that's some, something I've needed to get over with with teaching RPGs, for example, and in life in general, is that I'm so worried about people having a good time, particularly if I'm the one potentially responsible for them mm. having a good time or not. So one thing I do worry about when I'm running an RPG is making sure I've got everything right and making sure everyone knows what they're doing. And sometimes that can cause me to overthink things and like explain the rules, just over explain them just because I'm worried that they'll get something wrong or they won't enjoy themselves. And I think learning to kind of be a bit looser with that and letting people make mistakes themselves and sort of learn from that is something that I need to get good at. So there you go. There, There is um, a comedian called, I don't know if you guys have seen this video, but called Phil Jem, Jem, Jemison. I was literally just about to bring it up. Yeah, yeah I, I urge everyone to watch. He's got a video called Teaching a Board Game, which I always send to people because I'm like, this is what it feels like. This is not even a comedic thing. This is genuinely what it's like to teach it's a board game to people. It's just real life. <laughs> it's just real life. I urge everyone to watch it because it's hilarious, but also very, very true. Yeah, it's like he's basically teaching Monopoly and you're like, okay, so I rolled double which means I get to go again. And he's like, oh, oh, I, yeah, sure you do. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't I go faster because I'm playing the car? No, I, I never said that. <laughs> I mean, the it's first mistake good. you're making there is playing Monopoly. So stop that right now. Uh, I think he did it on purpose because Monopoly is just like... Most people you know, know it. Most so people fair know enough, it. yeah. Uh, and quick start rules. Any that come quickly to mind? I think... Like there are a lot of indie RPGs where they're one page, basically. Lasers and mm. feelings. Things like that. Yeah. Lasers, lasers and feelings, feelings is a great one. So easy. Yeah, I, well I'm guessing it's more of a question of like, are there any big RPGs that have a really good sort of tutorial section mm. where you can just learn the basic rules very quickly? Um I think that's become a more modern thing actually, because with with the dawn of Kickstarter, a lot of RPGs have <laughs> put out like a a starter kit which is basically like hey if you want to see how the game functions mm. like on a base level so you can tell if you'll be into it or not then you can you know try it out and then buy the book if you like it sort of thing um i can't think of any right now but uh, when we did our root rpg like we were using the, the starting player kit and stuff so mm. um the what i mean we never really learned it because we were always being taught by um cody but the cyberpunk starter kit it was pretty good comes yeah. with some bits as well yeah so i think the, i think there's quite a few to choose from right now yeah that yeah. those kind of released like cyberpunk red where or the jump circuit like you say where it just cuts out come kind of the the big stuff so it's like oh yeah okay you can just dive in here i think pathfinder does something similar in its starter mm -hmm. box you know and then you can upgrade to the core rule book later on but it kind of gives you everything you need to get rolling <laughs> Yeah. Uh, hey! Hey, time to move nah, on. <laughs> you're so pleased with yourself. I got. I got to find it somewhere. Wills, do you want to read this one from Dan? <laughs> yeah, your net balance is zero after you missed out on clicking a mouse. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. 
Right, okay. Hello! How do you meet new people to play RPGs with? Because of the nature of my friendship groups and... Well, because of the nature of my friendship groups and tell them all being... Them? And all... And oh, okay, there we go. And them all being is <laughs> me thinking it was spelt wrong. I'm just an idiot. How do you meet new people to play RPGs with? Because of the nature of my friendship groups and them all being new to tabletop RPGs, I end up GMing all the games uh, by dint of being the most experienced player. And while I do enjoy coming up with adventurers, uh, I miss playing. Are there established groups that can be used to meet other players slash communities that you know of that I could reach out to? Love from Dan. Um, yes. So yeah, there, there's definitely quite a few, um, but I don't know any. So lowlies. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I know that uh, like last year before things happened and and we could go places. Um, uh, and I was quite new to RPGs, uh, and I was kind of like preparing for this job, and I wanted to get a bit more experience. Uh, I just went on Meetup, which I think is mm. quite a good tool wherever you are because um, obviously it'll depend on where you where you live depending on the kind of groups you might have but yeah meetup was was one that I found really handy for finding like some groups where people could just kind of go in and out and like it wasn't necessarily like um you know uh, a story that went on every week you could just pop in and out and like just meet people and if you they had like a few r- different groups running at the same time at the same event as well which is quite interesting and you could kind of pick and choose which story kind of you wanted to play so there was like somebody doing a more like greek story rpg and somebody else was doing something entirely different and you could kind of pick and choose like that so that would always be my first like port of call or i think meetups or um a lot of board game cafes will have maybe a night even if it's Mm -hmm. not regular maybe if you just check their like events page to see if they do anything like that Mm -hmm. those would be my uh top tips Mm. i think when when you're allowed back into them your friendly local game store usually has some pretty good info on that mm, kind of stuff mm. because they'll know the local environment and, and what kind of games go on because they kind of have to. Oh, also, whilst we can't go outside, if you go to Roll20, um, there is loads of people who are running RPGs on there and you kind of have to like apply. I've tried it before. I never got into a group. Um, I didn't try very hard, though. <laughs> Undesirable yeah. Alex Lowley's. <laughs> yeah, apparently. I was like, I play uh, RPGs professionally. Nobody wanted me. Um, no, yeah, but that's like an option as well um, where you can like apply. I think you got to make a character before. I don't really know how it works because I've never really... So you're, it, is it like you're auditioning to be part of their group? You gotta be like, yeah, this is my character. Well, I think it depends, but sometimes, yeah, you have to be like, this is the character I have, yeah. or this is the kind of experience. They're really good at finding moles on people's skin. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it might just be like, especially with D anD D, sometimes people are like, oh, we, we've already got a cleric, so we won't have that. <laughs> yeah, so, all right, mate. Yeah, <laughs> I think with with the bigger RPGs like D anD D, Pathfinder. They have kind of dedicated communities, yeah. so um, Pathfinder mm. Society, uh, D&D Adventurers League. Yeah, Adventurers League, yeah. So they, they exist for that purpose. And I think, again, right now, not the best or easiest time, but the Gwyn conventions are back on, signing up for games at those. Yeah. Um, because, you know, once you know people, it might be that you frequent the same conventions or you can meet yeah. up locally and things like that. Um, I would say I've been, I haven't had much of a chance to talk about it because I haven't used it loads yet, but I, we wrote a story about a platform called Roll, just R-O-L-E, yeah. last year, which I then backed on Kickstarter because I was interested in checking out the beta. Um, and I have been fiddling around with it. And it seems, the platform itself, it seems very much like a beta. There are still things that need improving. But a lot of the, um, when they first announced it, a lot of the kind of 
premise was built on uh, they described it as like a dating app for yeah. role players mm. so i think there are as role playing grows and grows and grows you know you'll see platforms like that coming out trying to solve that problem of i'm looking for people who like the same things or um but you know just like like everyone said just uh you know look around in the places where you might already know people local game shops they might be running stuff virtually uh in the meantime um but that's always the best place to start is just look around locally yeah uh, now isn't now obviously isn't the ideal time unfortunately for for Mm -hmm. that approach so i would advise either trying a directly online route like adventurous league or or world 20 or just waiting until things open up a bit more and try some of the avenues there so Mm. you'll find something there's a lot of Facebook groups and stuff like yeah. that. It doesn't all have to be like physical groups. Um, mm. A lot of people will play online, and a lot of people have a lot of free time right now. Uh, seems you know, there's not as much things to do, and a lot of people trying to maybe do some escapism. So like, mm. it seems like a pretty good time to find some people online if that's if that's something mm. you're all right with. One thing I will say to anyone listening to this advice is the internet. Internet is obviously uh, <laughs> you get out what you put in, but yep. also there's a lot of weird people on there. So yep. um, careful, protect yourself please. and be careful, and yeah. especially if you're using places like Facebook where your personal information is available. Mm. Uh, yeah, just just be safe. Uh, yeah, because we, we love you. <laughs> yeah, Dad Wheels comes out. <laughs> oh, whoa, that's just messing up the whole system. Yeah, <laughs> we're, all, we're all dads here. <laughs> a sudden twist. <laughs> Uh, me and would you like to read this one from Annie, please? Annie says, "Hi, gang. What alternative RPG system, for example, Monster Hearts, Call of Cthulhu, do you most like to try out next, either on the stream or in a private game, and why?" Thank you for reaching out, Annie. I really want to play Bluebeard's Bride. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, I saw. The game while I was uh, making a lovely horror RPGs list, which I recommend people have a read of. Um, and I was reading for how you play it, and I was like, "Oh, I really want to play this. Sounds really cool. You control uh, different aspects of a bride's personality as she is locked in a kind of Beauty and the Beast style house. So it's based off." the Bluebeard's Bride kind of folk story, which has also been twisted in other ways, like in Angela Carter's The Bloody Chamber, which I also love very much. Uh, And it's like a psychological horror where you're kind of going around this house and everyone controls the different aspects of this person's personality. And you kind of just... It's more like a very heavy storytelling RPG where you kind of decide you know, how this this bride is potentially going to escape or if they're going to escape at all. Uh, And it just sounds amazing and the artwork is so striking. And I think it was created by a uh, female-identifying writer. I can't remember what her name is. I think she's a co-founder of Magpie Games. Um, But it just sounds amazing, so I really want to play that. And also Starcrossed, which I've wanted to play since I've written about it, which was ages ago. And it's just getting, like, be, really, to be honest, just be, being bothered to get a copy. <laughs> <laughs> but I love Dread, and Starcross is like Dread, yeah, but but great. romantic and sweet. So, I'm and the artwork for that is amazing. Play, um, 
I'm absolutely desperate to play uh, Sleepaway by um, mm. Jay Dragon, is that Yes, name? They're, um, they're doing Wonder Home, yeah. Yeah, which is, um, for the uninitiated, is, is, I think it's built on the No Dice, No Master system. Um, but it is essentially, uh, it's written by someone who is a long-time camp counsellor, kind of like a uh, person who runs kind of um, that classic American like summer camp style experience. Uh, so it has like a lot of teens around and, and that kind of, I think, influenced their sort of design process. But the premise is that you are in one of these kind of summer camp situations. Imagine like, you know, Jason Voorhees style, like, <laughs> oh, it's, it's a little bit, a little bit, um, uh, you know, like things are going on and there's like teen drama, but then also at night there's a horrible killer coming around. Um, so there's a thing called the Lindworm, uh, which is essentially like this, uh, like, horror beast that infests your dreams and stuff um but the cool thing about the mechanic is that you have like a sort of day and night i'm kind of paraphrasing this i haven't played it myself obviously we have like a day and night phase where um in the night it kind of takes inspiration from hidden role games so whilst you're all playing your characters and i think it's gmless and you're just sort of like going about your business at night everyone closes their eyes and you're randomly assigned one of the players to act as the monster uh, and they will like perform all of the horrible things that happen and then your characters will have to deal with those as it comes out so it's it's almost like a traitor mechanic which is really cool um but it's one of those it's one of those games where i'm like that sounds amazing i need to play it and just haven't got around to it at any point but hopefully soonish mm. <laughs> on a similar note lancer i i own mm. lancer and i haven't played lancer yet and i really want to play lancer uh, it just seems like the the universe seems really interesting because they're not just going dystopian, grim, dark, fascism uh, like Warhammer. They're trying to be optimistic, kind of like almost Star Trek uh, mm. utopia. Um, but also the the interplay between you are a pilot who is a per- like a normal person who kind of interacts with the other pilots and has the kind of personal drama. Um, and then you step into a great big whopping mech and then stamp <laughs> around. Oh yeah, there are stamp mechs. around and do stuff. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm really kind of intrigued to see how that you know the the two sides of it match up. You know the I think because the when you're in a mech, it's kind of almost like a hex combat game. Yeah, where you move it's around. almost like a miniatures game. Yeah, and then yeah. when you're out in between missions, you kind of have the the mm. personal relationships. It's um, like that even mechs. even Jellyan thing. Yes, yeah, neon. Right? Yes, yeah, neon. Neon Evangelion. Neon something. Neon. Evangelion is like that's when the the cats from cats. Neon jelly. (laughs) The jello. The jellicles. I was was channeling serious like mom energy there. (laughs) Evangelicals. He wants one of those Nintendo's for Christmas. (laughs) Gosh, the jello. Yes. Lolis. Uh, I'm dying to play Passion de la Passiones. Yeah. <gasps> yes! <laughs> Ever since we, uh, well, since I found out about it, what, like a year ago or something? I've been dying to play it. Oh. Yep. It's just, it sounds like it would be pure chaos. It's like a uh, romance. Also been, yeah, novel. it's like a telenovela, essentially, isn't it? Like a RPG. Um, a telenovela, I mean, telenovelas are just insane, so, you know. More of that. <laughs> I was also looking to see if there was a uh, speaking of chaotic, if there was a Mr. Blobby RPG, but it uh, the world's cool. Very upsetting. Make it lonely. I so, I'm yeah. thinking I should really, to be mm. honest. Each player controls one blob on Blobby's back. <laughs> <laughs> what a terrible existence! 
existence. <laughs> just existing as a blob on Mr. Bo- Blobby's back as he's just falling over and terrorising people. Can we, can we move on? Happy, happy birthday to Blobby uh, and all the Blobby heads oh, out God. there. Um, uh, let's round off with one last question. Lolis, would you like to read this one from Andrew, please? Sure. Lord Poos 9 asks... <laughs> Andrew. The name's Andrew. Oh, okay. If you had to be a D&D class IRL, including all spells and abilities that come with it, what class would you choose to be? And what class do you think you'd be if life chose for you? Discuss. Right, I think I'd choose to be a rogue. Right, because... Edgelord. (laughs) Sneaky, I wear a lot of black, it's like, I'm quite dexterous, I just think... I don't know, I think it'd be, you know, you can play rogues different ways that you'd be like, oh, like, we're serious, or you could be like, yeah, I'm rogue, whatever. Um, I think in terms of, like, what life would choose for me, I feel like that's something that you guys would need to to answer about me more than me, because then I'm just going to pick, like... Maybe, I don't know. Like. Maybe like a warlock I, or something. Maybe not unfortunately for me, but unfortunately I think we are all bards. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I would choose a bard. Like, if, if I... Because, yeah, like, I'm... I am... I've been told I'm charismatic. Apparently. Even though I can't get certain words out properly. Um, <laughs> I've got song. a... I've got a pretty good singing voice. Uh, and... Uh, I'm quintessentially useless but <laughs> but very wow. in, but very entertaining uh and kind of like a like a oh. um, drama in a human body but um i don't know what people would choose for me maybe they would choose bard as well maybe I think they would bard, choose druid <laughs> yeah bard makes sense like will says for all of us i think we're whether it's whether it's on YouTube videos or on the website, we're trying to use words in a certain way. Like I was trying to think because I I like playing a cleric, but I'm not very religious, um, <laughs> so I don't think that would fit. And I don't I'm know. Not... I I think you're a reliable sort, Matt. So I can imagine you being like a tank character or like a support, like someone that you know to me that I rely upon for you know for being a, a good person in the crew. So. But... I think if I, I'd like to be, I'd like to be a cleric where it's like I can help people and heal people. You but I think can. the reality is like I'm more like a bard where I'm just like hanging I around think, and singing ditties. I think Matt is a paladin. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, because it's all like I feel like he's he's a paladin in life because he's got like he's upholding his oath to make Dicebreaker great. And, oh. Um, oh, he's a. Uh, just a warrior, and um, that's all I have to say. Oh, I'm quite touched. Thanks. <laughs> that's very nice. That's also, I don't think Matt's sanctimonious enough to be a paladin. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if you actually met a paladin, you'd be like, oh, jeez, oh, not this again. <laughs> well, oh, number one. Well, we... I don't know. I get some of his emails, and I think like that. Oh, oh, wow. oh wow. forget all the stuff you said before. That's fine. Oh, I mean, number one, we're basing these <laughs> off obviously very tropey versions of of the classes. Yeah. Yeah. And number two, let's face it, human beings are rarely one type of person. 
They're usually a big old bag of mess. Mian, it's a game. Yeah, stop being realistic, Mian. I want to be a warlock. <laughs> I want to have a demon friend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can see sense. that. Yeah. yeah, sick as hell. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it pops yeah. out to argue about minor issues with people. Yeah. That's your warlock. That's the, that's the demon you've made a pact with. Yeah, it's just the, the demon, the of, demon of, of yeah, the demon of petty, <laughs> the demon of petty being a petty demon. Uh, I can see, yeah, uh, I can see wheels the warlock. Wheels the warlock. warlock. Wheels. If I'm ever like playing standards D and usually just go for a warlock. I don't know, I've always I've always drawn to that. I like the idea that you can just cast spells whenever the hell you want. Mm. Just I do... uh, see, seize the means of spell production. That's what I, do. <laughs> I do remember talking in the Slack channel about writing my sorcerer guide and you classic wheels fashion rolling in just saying sorcerers are just rubbish warlocks and <laughs> i was like right okay <laughs> thanks for your contribution wheels <laughs> i guess i'll just carry on with this i'll put a little note at the bottom oh sorry by the way sorcerers are just rubbish warlocks but i guess you can play <laughs> one anyway official line here from dunsbreak <laughs> <laughs> oh god Oh. Well, there we go. All right. Uh, wait, end. we should do Johnny's not here, oh. but let's do Johnny for, on Johnny's behalf. Oh. I think okay. Bard Bard makes sense. Um, you know, I think he's got he's a nice a singing voice as well. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's got the aura of a wizard about him. Yeah, and like he's he's got a bit of the look, but he's also like he's able to just magic things up pretty quick. Uh, hmm. You know, you can always depend he's pretty on pretty intelligent. Yeah, <laughs> I guess pretty, pretty intelligent. Yeah, pretty wise. He's also he also like is obsessed with all the rings, so therefore yeah. he's Gandalf. So yeah, I, th- I yeah. think he's a wizard. Yeah, yeah. Radagast the Brown, <laughs> <laughs> and he's always yeah. manipulating the structures of reality. Mm. He is. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Although, would he just be a druid with Watson as an animal companion? Or wait, was that that's <gasps> no, ra- was that I ranger? Not that's a ranger. Oh, um, he is a ranger. Druids very, don't very have animal and... companions. Mm. I'll, I think I'll sorry. Have... Sorry, Matt. Uh, I Wizards should, do have companions. Uh, I hmm. should do that properly. Uh, actually, I think you'll find <laughs> druids don't have animal companions. <laughs> it's rangers. Uh, yeah, w- <laughs> wizards have familiars. So Watson uh, could be his familiar. I think he's a familiar. Mm, She's yeah. a familiar, sorry. Yes. Mm. Johnny's a familiar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think Johnny is Watson's familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's definitely how it works. Watson is a she is a wizard dog. <laughs> All right, you're a wizard, Watson. All right, thank you for. Uh, let's not invoke that. Yeah. Uh, but yes, thank you for your questions. All, if you'd like to send us yeah. a question, you can do so at podcast at dicebreaker.com. You can find us on Twitter at join dicebreaker. You can find us on the internet at dicebreaker.com or you can internet we're about all the place uh we are gonna look ahead to what's coming up i'm gonna sneak in a little a little preview (gasps) for folks listening to the podcast because later this month or very early next month let's say um given how reliable dates are in this day and age we will have (laughs) some dungeon breaker merchandise (gasps) on dicebreaker.myshopify.com just in time for christmas didn't uh, tell us this it's very exciting Maggie stuff tease. uh i i've seen it and i am excited by it it's mm. not it's more than one thing there will be a few things popping up in the next few weeks that's why so. we call him matt the tease jervis 
Please. Yeah. Nah, I'm alright on that one actually. <laughs> Dear HR. <laughs> Hello again. <laughs> it's me. It has been four minutes. Are you the there, HR? Incident. It's me, Matthew. Um, oh gosh. Uh, yes, we will have some exciting uh, Dungeon Breaker related merchandise yeah. coming up in the next few so, weeks. Uh, so if you want someone to open their Christmas stocking or whatever stocking they might have uh, and pull out a lovely bit of Dungeon Breaker merch, then keep an eye out. Mm hmm. Uh, but we will leave that for the time being and announce it very soon. Until then, what do we have coming up next week? Video team. Uh, well, uh, well Johnny, Johnny's not here. No, I've got it open. Don't you worry. I got ready. <laughs> yeah, oh, um, jo- well, this week though, Johnny uh, is not here for this this here podcast because he's busy doing a review for Blood Bowl, mm-hmm. which is a game. Apparently, <laughs> it is. It is the new edition of Warhammer's um, fantasy football game, which is. A literal pun because it is set in the Warhammer Fantasy universe, but it is American football. Yeah, it's good fun. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's coming on Sunday. Obviously, Dungeon Breaker is back tomorrow with the second episode of something about wood. I've forgotten. Would the name you of believe this it? Got wood. <laughs> that's that not one. it. Wood for sheep. No, that's a different <laughs> bit of merchandise. You got to keep. The, I know. I'm wearing it. You got to keep the brand. The brand and... strength. I can't remember what it's called. Anyway, by now, you may or may not have seen it. If you haven't, go back and watch it. We will have done a live stream of mm. Those Dark Places with Jonathan Hicks. Mm-hmm. <gasps> the designer. Spooky. It's a, an alien-esque RPG, which is very cool. Yeah, which you can also catch as part of the, the board game geek convention going on over the weekend as well. Virtual con. Mm. Uh, so keep your eyes out for a bit of Dicebreaker appearance there. Uh, it's called Would You Believe It? The latest arc of Dungeon Breaker. I said that. Uh, Something about everyone ignored me because they were all talking over me. Sorry, Miriam. Whoops, it's fine. It's fine. Doesn't sound like us. (laughs) (laughs) Talking over each other. I forgive you. <laughs> Meanwhile, over on dicebreaker.com, uh, we have, uh, as of today actually, so it will be up easily by the time you hear this, a Christmas gift guide from Alex Meehan looking at the best gifts to get your board game friends and fans and family this Christmas. Uh, there's some really good picks on there, some uh, some surprising things that I was not aware existed until they popped up on that list and was like, oh, that's, yeah, like, that's a fun a fun thing. Yeah, I, I know people. It's all it's all <laughs> gems on there. You're not going to find any rubbish. Yeah, that's it's why it says good. the best Christmas gifts. Yeah, it's not you know Christmas crap to foist upon your. <laughs> However, when's your that list coming out? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. Well, last year we did have a um, Lawrence Copey played some of the worst Christmas games that in existence. Uh, so you can still find that on the website. Yeah, and, well, there's yeah, some elf games coming out, so maybe so they'll be they've turkeys. got to be added to the list. Mm. Um, but also this week we should have a list of the best skirmish games um, so if you read Wills's or watched Wills's fantastic list of miniatures games we've got a separate list on kind of like smaller scale uh, mm. miniatures games uh, at some point in <laughs> spoiler alert most of the games on my list are also <laughs> skirmish games <laughs> uh, the, it is a different selection there's no crossover so if you're just looking mm. for more good miniatures games uh, you can find them uh, and also, at some point, maybe in the next week, maybe in a little while, uh, I took upon the task of recreating some popular board games on the budget of £10, uh, which went about <laughs> as well as you'd expect. Um, it turns out you can't really do it. Um, it's very silly. But, you know, I, I had fun doing it, and hopefully you'll have fun reading it. Uh, but 
until the next time we meet. Thank you for being here. Alex Lowley's. Thank you. Ask for more. Something. Okay. I sounded like a robot. <laughs> um, no, thanks. Thanks for having me. What a what a great time I've had once again every week. Wow, what a, <laughs> <laughs> what a great audience. Good to be here. Good to be here. Uh, good night. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for being here, Wills. Oh, what a fantastic audience we got here at the Dicebreaker Podcast. It's great. It's great. Thanks very much. Bye bye. Uh, thank you, Mian. Airplane food, am I right? What's, <laughs> What's the, the deal, deal with board games? <laughs> uh, I've been Matt Jarvis. Thank you for listening to the Dicebreaker Podcast. We will return next Friday, but until Thank then, so stay much. safe out there, look after yourselves, and have a lovely day. Bye. Bye. Bye.